Hello, this is Pastor Rob Barber of Bethel Church in Tempers Plains, Ohio, where our mission is connecting people to God. I'm very excited to share the Word of God with you today because I believe God's Word is a powerful weapon designed by the Father to set the captives free. I trust the Holy Spirit will anoint this message and it will personally minister to you and set you free. God bless and enjoy this message. Woo. Hallelujah. Kick those demons out. Yes, Amen. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. Glory. You may be seated. Amen. We recognize the power that we have in our lives because of the blood of Jesus. Not only cleansed us, but gave us special spiritual rights to stand against principalities and powers. Cast out those demonic forces and stand against those that would try to oppose the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a battle going on, but we win. Hallelujah. Amen. We already know the outcome. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to... Talk to you a little bit this morning about the God of the mountains. And we realize that our God is more than the God of the mountains, but that's where we're going to start this morning is talking about the, the God of the mountains. There was a little boy who was on his way home from Sunday school, and uh, as he was on his way through the, the neighborhood, there was an atheist standing on his porch and he saw the little boy and saw that the little boy was happy and having a good time and he said, hey there, young man, where are you going? He said, well, I'm heading home. He said, well, where you been? He said, I've been Sunday school. I've been learning all about God. Well, the atheist said, well, let me ask you something, young man. If you can tell me where God is, I'll give you a dime. The little boy thought about it for a little bit. He said, well, mister, if you can tell me where God ain't, I'll give you a dollar. Ha. <laughs> God is everywhere. God is all-consuming. God is present wherever we go and whatever we do. can't hide from God. You can't hide anything from God. Well, when we come to the realization of, of that fact, it should make us try to toe the line when it comes to serving our God. Because wherever you go, if you go to some place that you know is not pleasing to the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, God is there. You're taking God, the, the Holy Spirit. You're taking the Father. You're taking Jesus right in there with you, wherever it is. Whatever you're doing, whatever you say, Holy Spirit is present right there. He knows it all. We can't hide anything from Him. So it's really important that we recognize how powerful our God is. But this morning we're going to start out by talking about our God is the God of the mountain. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, that's, that's what we're going to, to read this morning. You can turn there if you'd like. I'm going to have the Scripture. Verse 1 says, And now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, 
And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. In verse 2, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Now, just kind of a side note here, the angel of the Lord, that's used many times throughout Scripture. There's some different thoughts on that, but most uh, Bible scholars would agree that there's something very special about that terminology. The, the word here is malak and, uh, in the Hebrew. Many Bible scholars believe this to be uh, when they saw the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Jesus, the Jesus before he came in the flesh. Here's what Clark says in his commentary. This was not a created angel, certainly, for he is called Jehovah in Exodus 3.4 and has the most expansive attributes of the Godhead applied to him. Yet, he is an angel, a messenger in whom was the name of God. And who is this? This is what he says. Jesus, the leader, the redeemer, the savior, all of mankind. The savior of all of mankind. So, there was something very special about this appearance, this, um, this encounter that Moses had on the mountain with God, with Holy Spirit, with Jesus. Of course, Jesus hadn't come in the flesh yet, but we know that Jesus has always existed with the Father. Scripture is very clear about that. Exodus 3, 3, then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for this place where you stand is holy ground. Well, let me ask you. Has any of you ever had a holy ground experience with God? Have you ever had a mountaintop experience with God? I hope you have. I hope you've had those kind of experiences. There's something very unique about those types of experiences with God. Uh, they set the course for the, for the remainder of the rest of your life or the situation that you're going through. When you're crying out to God for whatever the situation might uh, be in your life and you uh, suddenly have this experience that you just know that God has shown up and God is speaking to you about this particular situation or He's speaking to you about your life course or your direction. That's a mountaintop experience. You feel it. It's emotional. It's not just spiritual. It's emotional. And the spirit and the emotions stir you so much that you just want to live on that mountain. Right? If you've ever had that, you know what I'm talking about. You want to live right there. You'd like to camp there. You'd like to, you'd like to be like Peter when, uh, on the, the Mount of Trans transfiguration when uh, Moses and Elijah showed up he said he told Jesus I, I think this is a good place Jesus let's just build some booths for all of us let's stay here that's basically what he was saying let's stay here 
That's what we like to do. We like to stay in that mountaintop experience. But the truth is, we can't stay there our whole life. Life happens and life goes on. Life continues. Moses, in, before this, Moses tried to deliver the, the children of Israel by himself. Remember, he killed an Egyptian. And then he was trying to reconcile two Hebrews. And they said, who made you our judge? And they said, are you going to kill one of us like you killed the Egyptian? And he knew he was in trouble. So Moses had to flee. So for 40 years now, Moses has been in a wilderness, in a desert place, seeking God, trying to find God. And suddenly he has a mountaintop experience with Almighty God. Psalms 48 once says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God in His holy mountain. There's just something to be said about those mountaintop experiences. It's very emotional. And if you think back about that time that, that I'm talking about with you, you know that, to, that you'd like to, to just continue in that. How many have ever been on a mountain? You've been really been on it? Okay. Great. So you know what it's like on the mountaintop. There, it's, it's a unique experience. Kevin Ball told me that when he lived in Colorado, he could look out his back door and see Pikes Peak, 14,000 feet in elevation. To hike to the summit of Pikes Peak, it takes about six to eight hours. Uh, that is if you've trained. You have to be in shape to hike to, to the top of Pikes Peak. If you haven't trained, you won't make it. You've got to be prepared for it. You've got to be ready if you're going to you're going to hike to the top of it. Here's what the, one of the, the people said about hiking to the summit of Pikes Peak. This is a real gut kicker. Be prepared so you can conquer this climb and not the other way around because it will conquer you. You see, sometimes being on the mountain is wonderful, and the good thing about Pikes Peak is all you got to do is get in your car. You can drive to the top of it. So you don't have to hike, but some people want to. You know, there's, there's something about that experience, that uh, difficulty getting to the top. The highest mountain in the world is Mount Everest. Mount Everest is 29,035 feet to the peak. In 1953, Edmund Hillary and Tenzeg Norgay, his Sherpa, reached the summit for the first time. They got to the top of Mount Everest. That was quite a feat because before Hillary and Norgay reached that, 13 people had died trying. Since they accomplished, many others have uh, also reached it, but... In the process, over the years, 297 people have died trying. They've died for different reasons, from exposure to the elements, from becoming too uh, 
weary to make it to the rest of the way and just uh, eventually freezing to death, uh, not having enough supplies, uh, avalanche. There's a lot of different reasons that people have, have perished. But because it's dangerous. You see, the mountainside can be a, a very dangerous place. But when you reach that summit, when you reach the top, there is a euphoric feeling that is nothing like anything else in your life. And as we uh, apply this to our spiritual life, you all know what I'm talking about. One of the things about the upper reaches of the, the mountain of, uh, of this particular mountain, Mount Everest, when you reach an elevation of about 26,000 feet, there's a zone that climbers call the dead zone or the death zone. In the death zone, uh, at this point, there's, there's less atmospheric pressure, and of course, oxygen is very low, not enough to sustain life for very long. An extended stay in that zone without some kind of supplemental oxygen means sure death. You're, you begin to get to the point where you, you become confused, your limbs will not work properly, and eventually you, you're just going to die. And you know it. You, see it. you feel it coming. What we have to recognize is that, yes, we're going to have some of these mountaintop experiences in our life, and it, it's awesome. And I want to encourage you to enjoy those, those types of experiences. Because, you, uh, because God wants you to be stirred in your spirit. Without those kind of mountaintop experiences, sometimes life just becomes kind of mundane. And we, just, we have to live there sometimes. But the ex exciting things about the mountaintop experience is that when we're up there, you know, the, the, there's not a whole lot of oxygen, if you know what I'm talking about. But the Holy Spirit's there to sustain you. He's stirring you. We can live on that mountaintop for a certain period of time, but we can't stay there forever. When we were... When I first started pastoring, pastoring a little country church on top of Silver Ridge, 1995, I'd been working for several years, and uh, around 2000, somewhere around there, uh, we, you know, we'd been growing steadily for a while, and then suddenly there was an influx of a lot of people. In 2001, we, uh, we realized that that church wasn't big enough to hold everybody. So we started making plans. We purchased this, this property. We started making plans to build. But we had to get out of that building uh, because there just wasn't enough room. There wasn't parking. There wasn't anything uh, that we needed. We didn't have sufficient uh, room to, to continue to grow. So we went to Tepper's Plains. And when we went to Tepper's Plains, we had a revival as we... we uh, Moved into that building. We, per, we um, went to the school at Tepper's Plains. We rented the gym. And, you know, it was an exciting time. It was a euphoric time for all of us. Uh, we had probably three or 400 people come through that gymnasium during that revival time. And it was just, it was really exciting. 
But then we just had to settle in to being church and having church. And we did that for a year. And then we had to, to leave that building and go to, Tupper's Plain, or to, to Chester. We found that building. And it, that was another exciting time because we, now we had a whole building that we could have classrooms and have our church in the, the gymnasium. And it was exciting. The, the music was, uh, it was horrendous because of the sound in there. You couldn't, you couldn't do much of anything with, you, with the sound. It was bouncing around all over that gym. But we still loved it. We had a great time. We were there for about four years, and then we accomplished building this building. And once again, we went from mountaintop to that mountaintop to this mountaintop. And it was exciting. If those of you who are with us, you, you, rec you remember how exciting it was to, to move into this building and to continue to, to have church here. But you know, over, over a period of time, uh, we just had to settle in to being the church, to doing the things that we, were, we needed to do. Now, I encourage you, embrace those mountaintop experiences, but just remember you can't live there. You're not gonna, there's not enough spiritual oxygen for you to stay there all the time. So what happens is then we move on to the plain. Because we have not only God of the mountain, but we have the God of the plain as well. In Genesis 13.10, we're going to read the scripture here in just a minute. But Lot and Abraham are having issues, not between them so much, but their servants were uh, having issues with each other because they had so many animals and, and so many possessions that they were arguing over pasture and uh, over um, the, who gets to, to water their flocks first and all that kind of crazy stuff that was going on. And... Uh, Abraham said to Lot, listen, we, can't, we can't, cannot continue to live this way. I don't want to argue with you, and I don't want to have fights with my family. So he told Lot, he said, you choose the direction you want to go, and, and Lot did. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all that the plain of Jordan, and that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go towards Zohar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Lot recognized that there was a plain out there. It was beautiful. It was well watered. I liken the plain to the day-to-day to -day life of just serving God. You know, yes, we're going to have some mountaintop experiences from time to time, but we really do have to just settle into serving God sometimes. And recognize that, that that's what he desires. He desires us just to serve him faithfully. These are the times that we must be disciplined in our prayer, disciplined in our Bible reading, disciplined in our, our walk and our faith, disciplined in our relationships. But I also believe it can be a very dangerous time for some people. Because it's a good time. You know, we've, we've arrived. And now we can just kind of settle in. 
You know, this happened to the children of Israel. They arrived in the promised land. They fought all the battles. They defeated many of their enemies. And they just settled in. And what happened? Instead of continuing to serve the Lord, they got off track with the idols of the, the, the uh, nations around them. This can happen to just about anybody if we're not careful. The, pla the plain is fertile. It's easy to traverse. Things are good. It's the good life. And I got to tell you, I think we're all living the good life right now. I hope that continues for all of us. But we have to be careful when we, when we live the good life. We have to recognize that our God is the one that provided that good life for us. And He has it. He anticipates that we will continue to trust Him, serve Him, read His Word, seek His face. The good life sometimes makes us complacent and we begin to slack in our spiritual disciplines. I believe this kind of happened to Lot because he went out into the plain and, and everything was good and somehow he ended up in Sodom. And here's what Peter said about Lot and Sodom in 2 Peter 2, 8, 9. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. Lot was living the good life and somehow he ended up living in Sodom where he, he was just tormented every day by seeing the ungodliness that was going on. It was difficult for him to continue to serve the Lord. And then verse 9 says, So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. Here's what I want to say to you this morning. You know, sometimes we do get complacent, but our God's not going to leave you alone. When you're living in the plain and maybe you get a little comfortable and complacent, he's going to continue to deal with your heart just like he was doing with Lot's heart every day. You're going to look around and, and you're not going to be satisfied. That's the God that we serve. He won't leave us because he loves us so much. He loves us so much that he will not leave us in a situation, a circumstance like that. Our experience with God on the plane is a matter of continuing to be faithful and continuing to hear the voice of God. And the last thing I want to talk to you this morning about is our God is the God of the valley. He is the God of the mountain. He's the God of the plain. But He's also the God of the valley. And when we go through these valley experiences, we can trust that our God is going to be there. In Psalms 23, beginning with verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We all know this. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness, righteousness for His namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You know, we use this psalm many times uh, at a funeral. I've used it many times myself. I think Susie used it yesterday at the graveside uh, because it talks about walking through the, sh the shadow of the, of the valley of death or the valley of the shadow of death. 
And uh, the reality is that this scripture is talking more about life than it is death. It's talking about going through those difficult times that we go through and recognize that, you know, it, it feels like death is, is about to overshadow us, but our God is still there. He'll never forsake us. And the rod and the staff is reference to the good shepherd who was always there with the rod to protect his sheep and the, the, the staff that would, uh, with the, the hook in it to reach down and pick up the, the sheep and take care of them. If they fell over a, a ravine, he could reach down and pull them up. And that's our God. That's, that's what he's like in our lives. In Joel 3.14, it says, Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. In the valley. The valley is a place of decision for each and every one of us. In 2 Kings chapter 2, Jehoshaphat is a good king. He made a pact with an evil king of Israel. To fight against the Moabites. That was a bad decision. I don't know why he decided to do such a thing. But he did. And they went out into the wilderness. They went into the valley of Edom. Where for seven days they had no water to drink. No water to water their, their animals. The situation was bad. It's hard to go very, very many days without water. When Jehoshaphat realized what the situation was, he cried out to the Lord because he was a godly king. And he found out that Elisha was nearby. And he called for him. He said, send and get Elisha. The evil king said, oh, I, don't, I don't like him. But he said, call him. He'll tell us what to do. And when he came, he came to Elisha, uh, or to, Elisha came to Jehoshaphat. And Jehoram, and he told Jehoram, he said, if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't give you the time of day. Now, I'm paraphrasing, of course. But that's what he told him, because he was such an evil king. But he said, because of Jehoshaphat, because he's a godly man, I'm going to tell you what to do. And he said, dig some trenches, prepare, because water's coming. You won't see any thunder, you won't see any rain. But the, the trenches will fill up with water and you'll have plenty of abundance, abundance of water for your animals. This is a valley of decision. And a decision has to be made sometimes when we're in a valley. What are we going to do? Are we going to call out to our living God? Are we just going to just continue to go through the motions. About 15 years ago or so, I don't know exactly how long it was, but we as a church, we'd been doing church here for quite a while, and, and for some reason we started going through some fin financial difficulties. For one thing, we had a couple of heating bills in the winter that was $6,000 due to a problem with our heating system. That was really tough to take care of that and meet all our, our other obligations. 
But here's the kind of people that are leaders in this church. The elders and the deacons at that time said, you know, we don't have answers, but we know a God that does have answers. And we began to pray. And we sought God. And we asked God to move on our behalf. It was a time of making the decision to stand with our God and trust that He was able to meet our needs. But you know, the valley is something else. It's a place of miracles. And like I said, Elisha told Jehoshaphat and Jehoram, he said, dig trenches, be prepared, because the water is coming. Now, they could have said, ah, oh, that's just a crazy old prophet. We're not going to do anything. But Jehoshaphat knew. He knew his God, and he knew Elisha, and he trusted him. So they set them into doing exactly what, Je what Elisha said. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet the valley shall be filled with water, so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And that's exactly what happened. The next day, the trenches filled up. They didn't see a thing. But the trenches filled up with water because rain happened someplace else. And came pouring into that valley. Then the great thing that, that happened, because listen, our God is a God of miracles, and the valley is a time, a place for miracles. And when you go through the valley, you can expect miracles. You first have to make a decision. You have to make a decision that you're going to stand with your living God. You're going to stand on the Word of God. But the valley is a place of miracles as well. Because the Moabites saw the water. And they saw it as blood. They thought it was blood. They thought that kings had killed one another. So they said, let's go take spoil. And they came to take spoil unprepared for battle. And the Israelites totally wiped them out. And took spoil from them. Our God is a God of miracles. And whatever you're going through right now, make the decision. Whatever the valley is, make the decision. To stand with your God. And He will miraculously show up on your behalf. As we prayed, as this church prayed, as the, the leaders prayed, God began to move. We, have, we belong to a, a, an organization, SOMA. God moved on some of the SOMA churches, our sister churches, to help us a little bit. They Gave us some, some offerings. And then God just began to turn things around for us. It was miraculous. It wasn't sudden. It was a slow, steady progression. But God began to turn things around. And God began to, to show us how mighty He is when we call out to Him. And I can tell you this. From that time forward, and I'm not bragging on... On any, I'm bragging on you as, a, as the body of Christ, but I'm bragging mostly on our God because from that time forward, we have never had an issue with finances. In fact, we, you know, you heard the report this morning. We are within $150,000, a little under, 
of paying off our debt, of being debt-free. Hallelujah. What an awesome God we serve. And He does that in individual lives as well. He's still alive. He's still moving. When we're in the valley, we have to make a decision. We're on the, if you're having a mountaintop experience, praise God, I'm glad of that. Enjoy it. But realize that you're going to have to live on the plain. Plain's where we live. Trust Him. Be faithful to Him. But recognize that from time to time, you're going to have some valley experiences as well. But just remember, in that valley experience, there's a time of decision and there's a time of miracles. Stand with me. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Praise God. Before we have a prayer for anybody who would like to have special prayer for healing or whatever you might want, I'd just like to have, uh, take the opportunity that it, maybe you're going through one of those times in a valley. And you know that you just, you've got to make a decision to trust God. You've not seen your miracle yet. But God wants to manifest that miracle in your life. So I'm just going to ask you, if you'd like to have prayer for that, come up. I'll pray with you this morning. We're just going to trust. Our God hears. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory. Hello, this is Pastor Rob again. I pray you enjoyed this podcast. What a blessing it has been to have you join us on this social media platform. If you would like more information about Bethel, please check out our website at BethelChurch.community. You can also follow us on our Facebook page at Bethel Church Tepper's Plains. Have a blessed day and remember, love never fails. 